Hi, this is Dan from Diginomica, and today we have Phil Wainwright talking to Uri Sarid, MuleSoft CTO, about a topic that is new to me, the coherence economy. On with the show. My name is Phil Wainwright, and I'm in conversation today with Yuri Sarit, CTO of API and integration platform MuleSoft. Yuri, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Phil. Great to be here. I was terrific to be talking again. I, I mean, we've talked quite frequently, and, and normally we talk about things like service architectures and API-led integration, and, and I guess we may touch on that a bit uh, later on, but, but the main focus of today's conversation is, is very much more at a business level, isn't it? Because you, you've been talking about this concept of the coherence economy, um, and I'm very fascinated to hear a lot more about that. Yeah, I'm happy to happy to talk about it because it is really nice to be able to zoom back and wonder about the implications to business, indeed the implications to the economy that we live in, um, so that we're not always caught up with the mechanics, but we can actually see this forming in front of us. Well, I, I, I always take the view that technology is, is, is really only of limited interest unless it does actually impact on the real world, and it's where that it's it, you know it's, it's that impact on the real world and 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 what the uh, what the consequences are for, for you know how we live and do business that that, uh, that I think are the most fascinating aspect. Indeed. And I think in this case, um, it's an impact that doesn't just um, impact one set of businesses or one sector of the economy, but will literally uh, be impacting all of us um, as participants and as consumers um, in, in this economy. Right. Well, that sounds very wide ranging. So, so tell us a little bit about this concept of the coherence economy. Right. So if we look at sort of the, the, um, the advances for some time, you know, we started from um, an industrial economy uh, or really started from agrarian even before that. Then we moved to an industrial phase um, and, um, and one in which then uh, it was service based economy. Um, and we started talking about an experience based economy. And that kind of sounds like the logical end of it. Uh, after all, what better can you do than driving uh, experiences for the end customer, for the end consumer? Um, but there is one stage beyond that, which uh, I've been calling the coherence economy. And the reason is because right now, um, when we mean experience, somebody, some person or some one company has had to have shaped it for you. And so there has to be enough, uh, if you like, uh, economic return for that experience. And what that means is that the experience is not truly personalized to you in most cases. It's, a, it's an offering of that company to a lot of people. Um, and that's how they get the economies of scale, and that's and that's why you end up with great experiences. Um, but where we're moving to now in a coherence economy is where various building blocks of an experience are tailored on the fly, just in time, to a particular end customer at this moment in their journey. And so the end experience is actually um, a very, very uh, different one than the kind of generic mass consumption experiences that we have today. And I think that really changes it. It changes it. It changes things in the same way that all of the other changes have happened, which is once consumers get used to this, once this becomes the bar, you can never go back, right? You can never put the genie back in the bottle. This becomes the new set of expectations. And those businesses that um, can deliver one way or another, and we should talk about how um, uh, these kind of coherent experiences uh, are the ones that will win in the marketplace. 
Yeah, so, so really it, it, what you're talking about there is that as the digital economy evolves, it kind of raises the bar of, of consumer uh, or, or indeed um, business customer expectation that that, um, uh, that the, the quality of experience that, that becomes available um, uh, just it, it raises the game for everybody. Um, and, and I think you raise an important point there about the, the way that things have been delivered in the past um, because I, I think very often we bring into the digital world our preconceptions from the um, uh, from the industrial era um, and, and so that that experience that you talked about has very much grown out of the the volume concepts of the industrial era and the point-to-point thinking that we've had in that era um, and I think that uh, the more connected that we become in the digital economy, the more that opens up new possibilities of the kind of thing that you're talking about with with this coherence economy concept. Um, So, I mean, can, can you give like an example, that could be a theoretical example, but I mean, it, it, so, so how is a coherence economy experience different for a consumer from uh, a traditional economy, uh, even a digital yeah. economy experience? Yeah, so maybe I'll, I will I will cite one uh, very simplified example, um, and then later we can talk about um, some example of companies that are actually doing a lot more of this and setting themselves up for the big picture. But a, a small microcosm of an experience economy uh, is one that you can experience uh, in many places when you um, let's say that you're you're not feeling well. Recently, uh, I had a cold, uh, and I was a little bit worried that it had spread to my chest, so um, I could on demand. Um, book an appointment with a very local doctor, um, someone who could see me pretty much um, on the fly with, a, with only a couple of hours notice. Um, so that, that experience was pretty good. Um, and after I got out of the doctor, I got an instant phone call from the pharmacy saying that the prescription was already waiting for me. And it was a pharmacy that was really nearby. And you can see how the, the next step would be um, that I could uh, not have to go and, and match my calendar to the doctor's calendar, but rather that would be done automatically for me. So when I asked my bot, you know, I'm not feeling well, uh, the bot would come back and say, well, you have an, you know, an opening between two and three this afternoon. Would you like to go and, and see the doctor at that time? The doctor could talk to me by video. I don't even have to walk there. Um, the prescription would be sent automatically as it is now. Um, that prescription would then get routed to me at whatever location I happen to be at the time that the prescription was filled. All these possibilities are there today, but now that's my expectation of how I get treated. And from then on, I wouldn't want to get treated in any other way. And so the the new bar has been set. And you can see that what's happening is a coherence between the various players there, the doctor, the calendar, the prescription filler, the delivery company, all of those need to have the capability to personalize um, the, the consumption experience so somebody could assemble that for my immediate needs at the time. Yeah, so, so all of those separate point-to-point experiences get uh, become a joined-up experience. That that's that's a composite of of, of all those those separate engagements. Um, exactly, and, and that's what makes it better. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's in in a way that is coherent with my needs, right? So I have a particular trajectory that I'm going through through my workday. The pharmacist has a particular trajectory. The doctor has a particular trajectory. And by making them composable things, uh, composable building blocks, you can make them coherent with each other so that it works for me, works for the doctor, works for the pharmacist. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So. 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 And but that. So. So that requires a certain amount of. Um, of intercommunication between these services as they get joined up and more connected, they need to share context as well, don't they? Exactly, exactly. And that's where you really need to open up data. You need to open up uh, interoperability and you need to open it up in such a way that computers can do the orchestration because in order to get the costs down, this must be automated. You can't rely on, on humans sitting there and stitching this together. And that's another one of the big uh, enablers that has changed uh, over the last few years, I would say. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so, and I think we, we need to drill into the kind of the, the, the how to of this in, in, in a moment, but I just wanted to draw some threads together there because I mean, I, I, I um, I try with these podcasts to, to, to converge around, uh, the, the, the themes that I'm writing about uh, uh, around the, the direction of technology, the kind of framework of what I call XAS, which stands for everything as a service, which which describes yes. this more engaged model uh, that um, the vendors have with their with their customers, and and also the, a notion of frictionless enterprise, which is very much about kind of transcending the, the artificial barriers and demarcations that we've had in the old uh, paper-based world that we no longer need to have in the, in the digital world. And, and, and I think this, uh, the picture that you're painting is, 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 is one that I find very attractive because you are talking about breaking down barriers, um, uh, 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 removing those artificial pipelines of you know, each provider having a separate relationship with the customer and using the technology to join those um, different pipelines together into a more complete experience. For for, yeah. for for the customer, um, and um, so so this sounds great in theory, but you know it, it also sounds hopelessly complex to actually execute. So so you know, how, realistically, how does this all work? What, what are the building blocks right. that, that make it happen? Right. So you 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 said a word that I think is absolutely key here, which is frictionless. Right. It has to be uh, very very low friction, so that the cost is controlled. The cost in terms of complexity, the cost in terms of time. Um, the cost, literally the economic cost of putting something like this together has to essentially go to zero. Uh, and when that's the case, you become unlimited in terms of how many pieces you can stitch together. Um, the, the more friction there is, the fewer pieces you can stitch together, the less seamless is the experience. And so what are those pieces? Um, the main concept to take away really is the API. And the API is a way for one machine to talk to another in a predictable way. Um, it's done automatically. It's done without human intervention. It's a pre-published contract. Sometimes it's a discoverable contract that one machine can say, I either know or I can discover how to go and, and uh, talk to another machine and get something to happen, either get some data or retrieve some action. And once that's the case, uh, once you have these productized APIs that allow you to invoke capabilities at large scale, on demand, in a very highly customizable way, um, then you can start weaving them together. And because those APIs have been productized, because you can now um, automate uh, across them without any human having to say, well, let's go figure this out, um, now you can actually start to create long chains of these, and the chains themselves can be dynamic. So if your integration is good enough, it can say, well, this one is not going to work out. Let's go and switch to another one. Um, and so both the integration and the APIs that are being stitched together 
um, are highly productized. They're, they're meant to be used extensively uh, in production at high scale, very reliably. And again, because you're weaving long chains, that chain is only as strong as its weakest link. So the links need to be pretty strong. The, you need those APIs to be very robust. You need companies to treat them as products uh, with high availability and high reliability. And that then, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, becomes the key to who will succeed and fail in this economy. Can you offer these kinds of highly usable, very reliable, very discoverable and automatable building blocks that can be woven together, incorporated into the journeys? Right, and, and, and of course we, we should say that, that, that MuleSoft obviously uh, is a platform for, uh, for robust API publishing and management and, and therefore um, it, it's, uh, you would imagine, I imagine see quite a big role for MuleSoft in a coherence economy world. We do. It's in fact uh, kind of why we get up in the morning. Um, the, the outcome of a company that is able to participate and enjoy the rewards of uh, a coherence economy is something called an application network. And that's where uh, the various applications, the various capabilities that the company either offers or leverages um, become interoperable, become low friction uh, building blocks um, so that you can uh, mix and match them just like you do um, elements in a computer network. To these days, we don't think about, you know, can can uh, this computer work with that printer or with, with that uh, internet service? Um, we know that it's already possible because there are standard ways of doing that. And that's exactly what we're doing here for APIs. Right, okay. So, so you know, irrespective of the actual platform you're using to execute this, this is also um, uh, something that can be done through standardization and um, and so it doesn't tie you in necessarily to a proprietary platform. In fact, you know, a lot of people uh, absolutely. this API kind of framework in terms of serverless uh, functionality um, and, um, you know, there, there are plenty of different platforms that can be used uh, and, and technologies that can be used for, for, uh, for making this kind of um, architecture work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take us back to school days when we learned about what was the real magic behind uh, the industrial revolution and, and uh, mass production and so on. It was the notion of interchangeable parts. Right. right. Once right. parts were interchangeable, you could get them from various sources. Um, if one didn't work, you could use another one. We're talking about interchangeable parts for applications. That's really what APIs are. Right. And, and the industrialization of, of software, essentially. Exactly. So, exactly. So, so, so you mentioned earlier, um, you know, customers doing things like this. So, so I mean, are there real world examples that, um, uh, that, that you're working with customers at the moment in this field? Yeah, there, there are actually quite a few. Um, I wanted to maybe bring one to the uh, to our attention because it's one that I think um, our listeners will be able to identify with very uh, personally. I think we're all familiar in at least large cities um, with these big uh, tour buses, uh, the ones that are kind of double-decker and you hop on and you hop off and you get to see the city. And one of the uh, big operators of those um, is um, uh, a big bus company that is um, – uh, that is offering this service in, in many cities. Um, we certainly and have in, in here in London, yeah. Right, right, exactly. So Big Bus Tours, um, it is a customer of ours, right, for uh, full disclosure. Um, but they have a vision that's very much um, this coherence economy, and they've started to execute that. They uh, took their, their um, ticket reservation system, um, you know, which buses are there, and, um, you know, uh, the ability to buy a ticket to hop on a bus, and uh, put that behind an API. 
um, and offer that to all of their partners. So as you are driving, um, as, as one of these buses is driving down the street, um, any of the uh, various other uh, players in the tourism ecosystem can offer rides uh, on that bus. And in the future, you can see where this is going. Um, the bus itself is basically has uh, internet on it. And as it passes by a variety of local businesses, local attractions, and so on, they too can participate in that kind of moving economy of the tourists that are going through the city, being transported by a big bus, um, but being able to take advantage of whatever it is that they're close to. And because it's a hop-on, hop-off system, um, if you like, it's kind of doing the integration, the physical integration between the various businesses um, and allowing every tourist uh, to have a very tailored experience that can change on demand. Um, as, as you know, weather conditions change or their interests change or they see something interesting as they're going along the city. Um, you can imagine this is, this is great, obviously, for the businesses along the route. It's great for Big Bus because it's able to expand its offering. Uh, and most importantly, it's great for the end customer, the consumers, um, who are not just being provided with transportation, but rather with a very full experience through the city that they're going through. Yeah, that, that actually sounds like a great value add to, to, to offer because, you know, I, I'm familiar with that experience of, of being, as all of us, I guess, are being a tourist in a big, unfamiliar city and thinking, well, where are we going to go for lunch? Um, what, what, what's, what sites um, are, are the most interesting ones to see and the most convenient ones to see? And, and to have that kind of information made available as you're on this tour bus, I think, would, would really heighten that, that experience. So, I mean, you can see... Um, uh, you, you can see a lot of benefits to, to that. Uh, uh, joined up uh, delivery, uh, that example of the coherence economy in action. Right. And, uh, and uh, no need for pre-planning anymore, right? Which is a huge thing, right? It used to be that in order to get through a major city, you would go and, you know, uh, take your map and start to, uh, your physical map and start to sketch things. And, you know, you wouldn't want to veer off of it because you might get lost. Nowadays, you go into a city and you have your Google Maps or, or your Apple Maps and you whip it up and you can always get anywhere you want. And when you're driving, the same kind of thing. It reroutes uh, if you take the wrong turn. And so we have given up this notion of pre-planning. We just kind of go and, and live in the moment. And that's going to be the same thing for many other sectors of our life. So, I mean, this, this kind of raises a couple of thoughts in my mind, but before I kind of get to, to, to that, and we probably should wrap up in, in a few minutes, but I mean, are there any big barriers that need to be overcome to, to, to make this coherence economy vision more of a reality? Yeah, I think that the biggest one is actually one of the mindset of businesses. I think um, in the experience economy in particular, um, every every business says, I want to own the experience. I want uh, to be the provider. I want the consumer to associate that with my brand, um, and I will take care of everything. In a coherence economy, that simply doesn't make sense. It, it won't work. And so this notion of, of um, being able to say, I am a player in a bigger ecosystem. I will make my offerings available for others to incorporate, just as I incorporate others. And this will be an ecosystem of offerings. That's probably the biggest mindset shift. Um, mm -hmm. If you own a small piece of a much, much bigger pie, it will turn out to be advantageous versus trying to own the entire thing and being very restricted by your own um, execution capabilities as to how much you offer your customers. Um, and yes. that, that is a different mindset shift. Um, that is, it's, it's, if you like, it's a bigger version of the mindset shift that pro, uh, product managers today have to go through when they say, my product is the API. It's not the entire user experience. It's actually the API. And others will do things with my API that I hadn't anticipated. And I need to be comfortable with that.
It's a big macro version of that. Right. And, and, and I love that the barrier that you cited is a mindset barrier rather than a technology barrier, because I think that's increasingly important uh, in, in this in, in kind of getting benefits from this new technology that people need to think differently. Uh, and actually, one of the things when I started writing about frictionless enterprise, um, I went back to uh, one of the uh, original thinkers about um, uh, about the enterprise. Um, there was, there was a, a gentleman uh, uh, called... Um, uh, one of those in the in in the twenties who defined the the industrial enterprise and, and said that you know an enterprise needed to to minimise friction between the moving parts that it delivered and therefore it needed to integrate everything into a into a single enterprise and that's why you had these huge conglomerates and that was true as long as. Uh, it was very difficult to coordinate stuff um, out beyond the walls of the enterprise. And, and, and the, the, the great thing about the, the digital era is, is and, and this is the whole kind of concept of frictionless enterprise, is, is that it's now very often cheaper and certainly more cost effective uh, to go outside of the enterprise for uh, those services that previously you, you would have had inside the enterprise. And... Um, and as it becomes simpler and simpler to um, uh, to bring in external services, effectively, it, you compete not by integrating as much as possible within a single enterprise. You compete by being as connected as possible into the fabric of the, the digital economy. Um, and, and I think this, um, what you're talking about with the, with the coherence economy um, it is really the, the, the fruition of that is, is basically saying that um, you, you compete most effectively by putting yourself at the heart of an ecosystem of connected services um, from which the, the consumer can then uh, gain a, 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 the, the best possible joined up experience. Exactly. And and in the end, you know, the, the coherence is such that really only computers will be able to weave this together. And indeed, um, bots of various sorts will need to do it on demand. Um, and because there are so many facets to this, no one provider will be able to own uh, all of the consumer, right? We, we kind of knew it was a fallacy to begin with, but now it's coming to the surface. Um, I think, you know, the, the reason it's an economic shift is one is that new consumer experience. The second is because we are losing this notion of um, of uh, uh, bulk cost, right? So if the cost to produce one thing is the same as the cost to produce a million, economies of scale go away in that sense, and they become more uh, platform economies. Um, that's that's actually where um, you get you get the uh, economic value, and that leads to very different kinds of behaviors that we've talked about. Well, yeah, yes, and that of course opens up an entire conversation that we don't have time to go into now. But but you know, that, that conversation about who owns that data um, and and how you achieve the, the, that kind of uh, frictionless exactly. coherence economy. Um, uh, if the data is is held in proprietary silos rather than being controlled by the individual consumers, um, but as I say, that's <laughs> we can't go there now because I'm afraid we're out of time. Um, but, um, but but thank you very much, Yuri, for 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 getting on the call today. That's that's certainly been a pleasure, um, and um, uh, you know, terrific to to, uh, to to hear your thinking about uh, the, the next phase, effectively, of, uh, of 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 the digital economy. My pleasure, Phil, and looking forward to our next conversation.
Well, absolutely. Uh, me too. So, listeners, just a final word. Uh, as usual, if you'd like to keep up to date with all things Excess, then simply search for the Excess Effect to sign up for our regular email newsletter. And you can also download our ebook on the topic. Um, I'm Phil Wainwright. I've been talking to Yuri Sarin uh, from Newsoft today. And this has been a Digitalomica podcast. <laughs>